Hey everyone, I am excited to share that the Kickstarter campaign for Summer Tour The Game is now live. It's an adventure-based board game inspired by those trips following our favorite bands around the country on summer tour. Uh, you drive your little hippie van piece around the country, you're chasing shows, you're collecting concert tickets. It's a good time. Uh, so visit summertourthegame.com to learn more. Uh, you'll find videos and info as well as a link to the Kickstarter page uh, where you can back this and, and make this game a reality. Uh, you can also find the Kickstarter page link in the show notes of this episode. Um, if you go there, uh, you can back the game uh, for just just $30 and you'll get your own copy of the game. Uh, we have several other tiers available um, all the way up to being a miracle backer where you can actually get your name in the game uh, for this and all future uh, editions of the game. But here's the deal. We only have until June 11th to reach our funding goal. So your support would mean a lot. Uh, please consider backing Summer Tour the game today. And thanks for tuning in to Tales from the Lot. I'm back and it's Tales from the Lot, the first episode of season two. Jerry had his game face on. My guest Gary Kerper is here to talk about the infamous 5877 show at Barton Hall, Cornell University. Here we go. Hi, welcome to Tales from the Lot. This is Will. My guest today is Gary Kerper from New York. We're going to be talking about 5877 and whether that show actually happened or not. So how's it going, Gary? Good, thanks. How you doing, Will? I'm doing fantastic. So... Uh, where did you, where did you come from musically? What were you into growing up, and 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 how did you you arrive to this this Grateful Dead thing? Well, in high school, I was mostly into the classic stuff: the Beatles, the Stones, Allman Brothers, really big, uh, Zeppelin, Dylan, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and the Dead were kind of um, they were they were kind of like uh, underground. Right? They weren't that popular, especially with the people I was hanging out with. Interesting. Yeah, that's and, and you know, these days they're all that whole circle you can't really say without mentioning the Grateful Dead. So that's that's cool. So you had some friends into it that, that said, Hey, you should come check this thing out or how did how did that work? No, no, actually, um uh it was freshman year in college. Mm -hmm. And uh you know, meeting new new people and uh we were hanging out with one one guy who had older brothers and sisters who had seen the dead at Roosevelt Stadium in 72 and 73 and 74. And he was playing Europe 72 constantly. So we were hanging out in this guy's room and he was playing that. And we were like, this sounds pretty good. Yeah. Really good. No so, so that was like my first real introduction to, to the dead. Although backtracking when I was in camp when I was 11 years old in 1970 in that summer my counselors were playing working man's dead so I vi vividly remember them playing uncle John's band that was like my first introduction but it didn't really sink in back then and right. it was a pretty yeah, cool song back then but I, I didn't really you know absorb it and understand you know it was kind of the, the seed that was planted that, that, that sprouted <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so you're in college, and, and and people obviously, you know, they were a, a big college thing through the '70s, '80s, and, and on into the '90s. So, uh, where did you first see them at? Well, no, Cornell was my first show. Oh, oh, okay, gotcha. Cornell was my oh. first show. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. so we were listening to the, to the Europe 72 and I think someone else had uh, skeletons from the closet 
And, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 you know, but, but then we had different people, li- you know, listening to, uh, Bob Marley. We had one group listening to Aerosmith, one group listening to Boston, one group listening to, uh, Hendrix and Al Dimiola. So we, everybody had their own, you know, musical, uh, influences. Uh, that, all, every one of those is fantastic in that era though. You know, like, yeah, even, I mean, yeah. You, you could frown upon Aerosmith these days, but back then they were a pretty solid band. Yeah. 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 So, so then it was the spring and it was like school was ending. And the one guy who had the older brothers and sisters, he said, um, you're not going to believe it. The dead are playing at Cornell on Sunday, like the two days after school was ending and let's go. So I'm like, okay, let's do it. I wasn't rushing to go home to like a, like a a job or something like that. You know, it was Mm -hmm. my uh, freshman year of college. I don't even know if I was working, you know, if I had a job. (laughs) (laughs) That's not on your radar sometimes at that age. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe I was painting houses or something like that. But, um, so we got permission from the school to stay in the dorms over the weekend because the show was Sunday night. So we just kind of squatted in our dorm the Saturday and the Sunday. And we went up to Cornell on, uh, I forgot who got the tickets. I know, I know I, I personally didn't get them. I think my buddy got them. Mm-hmm. And we went up there on at noon on Sunday for the show. Got with it. about you know, I was, I about six or eight guys. On, gotcha. I looked it up on uh, DeadNet um, just to see if there were notes and, and other comments on there. And they had the price listed as seven fifty. So, uh, yeah. so evidently it was, you know, sub $8 to go see the Grateful Dead in those days, which is kind of cool. And and here I was bitching in, in, in 92 or 93 of, of spending $25. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, it's it, all it's all uh, relative inflation it for is. sure. It is, yeah, yeah, it's in. yeah, still going. So yeah, so cool. So uh, got the tickets, and uh, that's awesome. They let you spend the night at the in the dorms, and, and yeah. So we went up there like up at noon. That. We we went up there early, and we just hung out. So the Barton Hall is this uh, big airplane kind of hangar, and we okay. we um, went up there, and there were three sets of doors um, on like the south. Uh, end of the of the hall um, where 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 they were letting people in, and um, mm-hmm. some people had sleep slept out overnight. I guess they came from Boston from the night before, or they just would just oh, yeah. whatever. Uh, they were there when we got there at noon. We we're like, whoa, you know, these people are here already. You know, we, we thought yeah. we'd be the, the first people there, but there were some <laughs> people in front of each door. Not a lot, but there was some. Yeah, you and know, if you were we at did, that Boston show, there's no doubt you were gonna go to the next one that, that, that was a hot one too you know? yeah it was it was <laughs> yeah and so, yeah a bunch of people there already huh not that many but then as the afternoon uh got got going more and more people started milling around in the plaza there and then by like five o'clock there was a lot there was a few there was a few thousand there so we um, we had gone to the bathroom, I think, earlier, and then we we were like, we better not go anywhere. We better stay by the doors. Right. And and, GA, and and right. What's that? General mission. Yeah, it was general mission for sure. Yeah. yeah. And now it's like, it started out as a pretty nice day, and now it's around 
536 o'clock and the clouds start rolling in and it starts drizzling and it starts getting a little breezy and chilly hmm. and we're getting cold and now it's like when, when, when are they going to open up the doors and then finally they open up the doors and they had these big blue garbage cans like on each side of the door to try to funnel the people in gotcha. uh, you know somewhat organized but let me tell you, well, when they open up the doors, the, well, the set of doors that I was in front of, all hell broke loose. It was like <laughs> a free for all. People were jumping over the garbage cans, oh, you know, to try to get in first. And then it was like, you know, the animal instinct in you takes over. You just want to get in as fast as you can. You right. know, it's like the competitive nature, and you just want, okay, okay, is this how we're going to do this? Let's let's get in fast. So <laughs> finally, when they open the doors. They were like, there was a short uh, flight of steps and I just beelined it right for the front. So I was right smack in the front against the stage, oh. basically. Wow. Nice. So yeah. you were one of those getting horribly smashed. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> Very cool. So, uh, wow. So, um, okay. So outside, you know, I, I didn't start going to the nineties and, and, you know, we, we, we know what shakedown turned into what, what was, what was the outside scene like at that time? I mean. Were, it was were pretty relaxed or, or what was going on no there was no, not really it was just people just hanging around and people were mostly friendly and and yeah it was there's no there was no tailgating scene i know this is tales from the lot but this is this, <laughs> this, this story is more from tales from the front <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah no doubt i was just you know i was just curious because you know uh, and, and when that and when that happened you know do i mean you saw a few shows from from then to till the end, and, and so what, more than a few about when the when the the commercial shakedown flip was. I don't know. I mean, you know, I started. You know, of course, I saw a lot of the sh the, the shows in the East. You know, in New Haven mm -hmm. and Hartford and Nassau Coliseum and Brendan Byrne Arena. I think you know just and then. The, <laughs> I, I think once um, once they started filling out filling up the arenas, people started just setting up camps outside in the in the parking yeah. lot, and and then as it got bigger and bigger, you can you know buy sandwiches and buy shirts and buy pretty much everything outside in the parking yeah, lot. Once there's enough people there, there's uh, there's somebody's going to realize it's a market. Yeah, 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 Sar yeah. Saratoga. I, I listened I listened to the to the tales from a lot from the guy who went to Saratoga. Yeah, I was there too. Uh -huh. Not in '83. Yeah. I went '84, '85, and '88 to Saratoga. Gotcha. Yeah, that was that was a great place. Yeah. Okay. So your front row at the the greatest Grateful Dead show ever. Like, so uh, can I ask your state uh, of being in? And I was <laughs> at the time. You know, I was pretty. I was pretty coherent. Yeah. I was pretty coherent. They were cool. passing around. You know, passing around joints, um, and I was pretty coherent. Except. Um, what happened was some people had passed around some bad stuff and people were, were like just passing out, right? Mm -hmm. Like on the floor. So that's why Bob okay. Weir's looking down with, a, with wonderment saying, what are you guys doing down there? You're supposed to be enjoying yourself, not passing <laughs> out. And, but they kept playing and I was just, just looking up, right? You know, Jerry had his game face on and it was mind-boggling i didn't even know half the songs frankly because you know they weren't all on europe 72. yeah you know? yeah there was a 
trying to think what like they might uh, uh they love each other might have been jack straw yeah well jack straw is out on europe seven too but they love each other songs like that i didn't really know mm. and and wrote jimmy and lazy lightning and, but it, it all sounded great and then they did the the dancing in the streets and oh. the place was just rocking and we were just holding on for dear life and and we just we we knew it, it, whatever they were doing it was good it was really good right yeah it was definitely a special night so the the first set yeah there's no there's no slacks there but but once that scarlet fire comes i mean like everybody i'm sure knew that this was a special night because that was i mean man that was killer yeah 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 it was it was it was phenomenal and then when you listen to it now on the tape it's just pure magic every every note but yeah. the cool thing was before they went into the St. Stephen jam, they huddled up for like f at least five minutes discussing what they were doing the game plan, what they were going to play. And that was pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, they were, they were all the, like discussing which, you know, which uh, medley they were going to do. Nice. And it was, uh, it was just ridiculous. It was just Jerry was right in front. I was right smack in the front. When uh, when Jerry uh, did one more Saturday night at the end, when he just did you know went wild, mm -hmm. he jumped he jumped six inches off the ground. I didn't I didn't know he had that, <laughs> I didn't know he had those kind of springs in his feet, but he he jumped at the end. I mean, they were definitely psyched. Right, and so okay, so of that night, um, you know, for me listening back to it, 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 maybe it would be the morning dew or something. But but what was the moment? when when you decided you know that night that this was for you and you were probably going to do this some more i mean it was you know i was very impressionable you know i'm 18 years old and it was like you know i was into all kinds of other music and all pretty much open-minded it was it was just wow and then i got out of the show and it was snowing. You probably heard the stories. There was like three inches of snow on the ground. There was, there was the whole, the whole night was crazy. But after I left the show the next day, I have two younger brothers. So my middle brother, I said, you can't believe this concert that I saw. It was unbelievable. It was grateful. You, you can't believe it. It was unbelievable how good they were, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was started listening to uh, some of the um, some of the tapes. I had an eight track player actually in my mm -hmm. dad's old Mercury Cougar. So I had Great American Music Hall. I had a few random shows on eight tracks. I'm not sure how I recorded them, but I had them on eight tracks, <laughs> and I just was listening. I had Europe '72, so I was listening over and over, and just you know learning more of the words. And then my brother actually went to English Town for his first show. Uh -huh. And and he was out of out of you know him and all his friends were just like what happened you know they were they were in shock just like I was after Cornell they were in utter shock so then you know then you start listening to the music and then when I went back to school in the fall I met some guys who were trading tapes there was a guy one guy who I met at Cornell who I drove back to campus he turned out to be like one of the first tape traders on campus this guy rick sullivan he li he lives in um he lives in uh, vermont now and i just spoke to him the other day he um so he was making he, he had tapes so this is wow. fall of 77 and i'm walking by his dorm room and he's playing winterland 31977 i'm like wow that sounds good where's that from 
and he had Springfield 77. He had a bunch of, you know, live tapes. Wow. So then it just, you know, it just kind of snowballs. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah, they didn't have taper section then. You just kind of, I mean, did they, did they care that you were taping the, like the, the venue people or, or how, how would, do you know anything about how that was being handled back then? It's, there were some people taping the Cornell show. There were some people. And then my second show was Colgate, eleven four, and there were definitely a few people taping that show. Okay, and if you saw it, they probably weren't hassling them too much. Not though. at all. Yeah, not at yeah. all. That's cool. Yeah, I was curious how that was all handled back back then. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think it was pretty lax. I don't think they, you know, I think people snuck them in, yeah. but I don't think they cared much. Yeah. And then Colgate <laughs> was another show. Yeah, thank God. And then Colgate was unbelievable because one of my friends who had gone to Cornell, his brother was going to Colgate. And he says, he said, guys, you're not going to believe it. Uh, my brother just called. The Dead just announced the show on Tuesday. They're playing Friday at, at Colgate in the gymnasium. We're like, okay, get <laughs> tickets. So he got tickets. I think they might have been $5, seriously, with, 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 his, uh, with his geo card. And so we drove to Colgate, which was like, I don't know, an hour drive, an hour and half drive from Ithaca. And it was in the gymnasium. Will, I don't know how big your high school gymnasium was, but this was place was smaller than my high school gymnasium. And we walked in like a little, like one of those, you know, doors that you push in, like, and mm -hmm. 10 feet in front of the, the, the stage for, for Colgate. And it was just like, wow. And they just blew the, blew the, blew the door, the doors out. For that one right are you are you a donna fan um not a huge donna fan but you know i appreciate her and i i i, I you know when i listen yeah i mean yeah she's yeah. she's fine with me yeah uh, yeah, um, with, yeah she's of that era she it fits in with it and, and just makes it without it it would certainly be different yeah so yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I i'm good with donna yeah i'm fine it's better than yoko <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how many did you make it to overall? Like, how many how many dead shows did you see? I would say about one hundred and five. Wow. I, I tailed off in the in the nineties. In, mm -hmm. in the nineties, I tailed I tailed off. I started, but I was pretty pretty consistent. I was seeing you know a couple of shows in the spring, a couple of shows in the fall. My brother moved to California, so I went out there. I saw New Year's in eighty eight. I saw him at the Greek Theater in 87, Sacramento, uh, Cal Expo, and I went down to Irvine. I saw them there a couple of nights. But I wasn't like a I, – if I was like a hardcore traveler, I would have probably seen 300. But I, I was – I had a job. I, I was I was a responsible deadhead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You work to get to go to those shows. I, 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 was a, I was at some show. I don't remember what it was, but some guy just – I was at Red Rocks and he stands up and he turns around and yells to everybody up the way, this is why we work. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're kind of right. <laughs> like I was having the time of his life for sure. I can't, I can't remember what it was like J rad or something. It was funny. And then, so, okay. So you, uh, you saw him all through the eighties and everything. What, what are some of the standouts? I mean, obviously this first one, it's, you know, it's tough to, to top that one, but what are, what are your summer your standouts or, uh, any, uh, Cool stories you have from well, any of the shows. You well, saw. I would say Rochester eleven five seventy seven was unbelievable. We yeah. went up there, and 
it was it was like that Ohio Ohio scene where 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 all those people got crushed to death at the, the like a Who concert or something like that. Uh-huh. I mean, I got lifted off my feet and like carried into that place. It was it was nuts because it was cold outside, and they finally opened the doors. All the ticker takers scattered, and we just got like blown in. It was really it was dangerous. Yeah, I was like peeling was my leg off with one of the turnstiles. <laughs> Yikes! And then it was general admission, so the whole floor we were just off the off the off the floor, pretty close to the stage. It was right, right. we were perfect spot, but the floor was just back and forth. It was a sea of people. And you know, you hear Jerry saying, <laughs> "You know, people are getting horribly smashed, and you know, <laughs> you know, have mercy, you know, on, on these because it was just it was the, just the sea of people. It was it was pretty crazy, and that show was just high octane from the beginning. It was amazing. Well, yeah, that's that's when they were really causing a frenzy. The dead were that was that that was a standout. The New Haven one that I went to in '78, May 10th, 1978 unbelievable the place was just shaking Jer- jerry was out of control that night i would say 111.79 stands out mm-hmm. um i went to those two i was home for for a mid 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 college break in, ja- in early january you know christmas and i went to see them january 10th where they broke out the dark star but the next night I thought was was bet the next night I was I, I was out of control. It was that show was unbelievable. One eleven seventy nine. Listen, listen to the audience tape on re-listen. It's it's unreal. I'm gonna write it down. Yeah, I check it out. That one I was in uh, altered state. <laughs> that might that might have had something to do with it, but um, it was uh, it. it was pretty pretty amazing. I'll give it a spin. So okay, so so back to five eight seventy seven. You've heard the. The, or seen the, the the theory on the internet uh, that some lunatic made up. Obviously, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. But it, it, I, I read it today just because it's been a few years since <laughs> I read it. It's still hilarious as it ever was about CIA testing and. <laughs> All right, I just got to take a minute and read this crazy shit that's been floating around on the internet forever about this Cornell show. So here we go. I understand why most people think that 5877 was as real as can be. It's widely considered to be the holy grail of Grateful Dead shows. And if it was an actual real show, it would be just that. But the fact is that it was a hoax perpetrated through a joint effort of the U.S. Department of Defense and the CIA. And this is nothing new. My uncle served in NAM with one of the guys that were actually in the CIA experiment. Hell, if you don't believe me, it's even on the archive. Okay, so... I'm not sure what archive he's talking about here, but I'll continue. There's been a lot of talk lately about the legendary fake show of 5877, and I've kept my silence on the subject for 22 years. Now it's finally time to come clean on the whole subject. The whole idea began back in late 69 or early 1970. The Department of Defense and the CIA were very disappointed by the way the Vietnam War was progressing. Not only were we losing, but more importantly, the U.S. public did not approve of the war and worse yet, weren't believing anything the military said about what was happening. This was an unprecedented event. Any other recent war was viewed positively by the public, or at least with apathy in the case of Korea. Something had to be done. They decided to take a page from the Soviets and experiment with mind control. Together with Disney and a fledgling computer company called Microsoft, they set out to prove that brainwashing could really work on the very people who opposed them. The hippies. 
It isn't widely known, but Cornell was actually the second test of these mind control procedures. The first occurred in mid-1975 and was a dismal failure. Two major mistakes were made. First, they picked the one time that the dead were not touring, and this created all sorts of problems with the subject audience. The more serious mistake was in not updating the criteria of this experiment. Due to typical government inefficiency, they used the 1969 version of the dead that was playing when the program was conceived. The sudden appearance of Pigpen, who had died two years earlier, literally blew the minds of those in attendance. Six months were spent erasing all traces of the show and carefully rebuilding as much of their minds as possible. The subjects were eventually released, and most of them became evangelists, their only lingering memory of the whole experiment being an unshakable belief that they had witnessed a true miracle. Unfortunately, no tapes have been found from this first experiment. That's a real shame because the version of Dark Star St. Stephen 11 Lovelight that they used was supposedly the best ever. After a few drinks, the original scientists still speak in awe about the music they heard that day. By November 1976, everyone was ready for the second test. This time, they learned from their mistakes. A small group of college students were hired to attend shows from 1976 through 1977. Our job was to collect tapes of dead performances, select which tunes to use, and to help identify subjects for the upcoming experiment. The location and date were chosen with equal care. It was an off day during the tour and the location close enough to the real concerts to be believed. Of more importance was the late snowfall that day. That unusual and easily confirmed event provided the glue that would hold the implanted memories together. Even now, 22 years later, people remembering that concert use identical words to describe leaving the show. Hmm. Overall, the experiment was a great success. Of course, some people were given slightly different memories. Some, like Teddy Goodbear, remember taping the show and were even provided audience tapes to further cement the hoax. Still, others remember getting horribly smashed up front. None of this actually occurred. A week after the concert experiment, a second test was done on the town of Cornell itself. In order to perfect this hoax, the town itself must also be convinced that the concert took place. Disney had acquired ownership of all the local TV and radio stations through dummy corporations. Using special chips developed by Microsoft, they played subliminal messages to every man, woman, and child in a 100-mile radius of Barton Hall. For the most part, this programming still holds today, although some people did prove resistant to the message. As far as the source of the music, for the most part, the list posted by Brew Ziggins is correct. The only mystery remaining is the Scarlet Fire. That was actually performed by the dead specifically for this experiment. Since Jerry worked for the CIA, it was easy to convince him and the rest of the band to go along. Plus, he liked the idea of pranking a large group of people like this. The fabled 2677 Take a Step Back rehearsal tape is also from material tape for these experiments. So just a quick note uh, about Bruce Ziggins that was mentioned there. Um, this person has posted a list of all the songs from the Cornell show and the corresponding actual show that that song was taken from. Uh, I did notice the Scarlet Fire does not have uh, an alternate date listed, so as the uh, story here says, that one was made specifically for the show. Uh, so I'll continue here. The soundboard tapes in circulation were leaked by Betty O'Connell, who edited the original tapes. I don't know if it was just a coincidence or not, but they were leaked at about the same time as the tapes recorded by Betty Cantor were found. In any event, they became part of the so-called Betty Boards. 
Leaking these tapes also provided the first cracks in the hoax to appear since the tapes were distributed to people who were not in the experiment and who knew that no show was performed that day. It was necessary to obtain their silence through blackmail, bribery, and in extreme cases, mind control itself. That's also how the show came to be listed in all the popular dead show guides like Deadbase. So, what's happened to these mind control techniques used in the experiment? Microsoft has used this power to become one of the biggest, most influential companies in history. They sure didn't become that big by providing quality products. It was used to shape public reaction to the Gulf War. It's also clear that George Bush never understood the full power of these methods. There are also indications that this technology might explain the otherwise unbelievable popularity of rap music. That's the whole story. Okay, so that's the end. Uh, Take it for what it's worth. Um, It's a good laugh for me. Let's get back to Gary. (laughs) I'm living proof that it really happened, that the show happened. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and they've they've actually got a whole list of of the whole set list and where each of the songs came from and 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 if you listen there some of them are actually kind of close but it's obviously not the right ones and and uh i don't know it just makes it all the more funny i think that somebody really took the time and then i was dumb enough to go listen to see yeah no i'm, I'm living proof that it really did happen <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> So, all right. So, and then eighties, did you, you saw, you were saying you saw some West coast shows and. Yeah, I would say the Greek theater in, in 87. Um, my brother was living in Berkeley, went over there. The, the watchtower show, the second, the second day, it was like a five o'clock start and they broke out the watchtower in the second set. And we were just like, the whole place was like a swirl. We didn't know what hit us. It was like a, it was like a hurricane came through and then everybody <laughs> walked out after the show and it was like, what was that? It was like, it was like, a, it was like really a hurricane hit. And I walked out, I'll never forget. I'm walking down the steps. Everybody's spilling out on that university Avenue on in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And I said to my brother, I said, was that Jerry? Or was that Hendrix? <laughs> and some guy, and I, back then I was like 30 at the time. Some guy said, who was like 60, who was like my age, he said, I don't know, but I'll be back tomorrow to find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well put. <laughs> yeah, he, he just, man, Jerry could just rip sometimes. Like, and, and sometimes it's in the most subtle of places. It's like in the middle of Mexicali when, when Bob's singing, he'll just be like doing the most crazy stuff that's, you know, to just knock you out, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was listening to some of the recommendations from some of your other podcasts for, for a couple of these 90 shows. I listened to that one where, where Vince's first show where they did that bird song. I was like, wow, because I don't listen to much of the recent stuff at all. Mm-hmm. I listen to just mostly 70s tapes right. and shows. And I was like, whoa, that was great. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, I can't, it may have been that one, but there was there was one where they were just starting to use the MIDI stuff. And, and like, wow, you know, it just, it opened up a whole new palette for everybody. And, and, uh, you know, they, it allowed them to keep progressing and changing and, uh, but, you know, which, I don't know, which surprises me about dead and company. Like, I feel like in the spirit of the dead, they should keep progressing and writing new songs, but you know, they do what they want to do. <laughs> I'm not the manager of dead and company. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not Bobby. Do you see those guys at all? I haven't seen Dead and Company. I just kind of avoid, 
you know, city field or big, big venues, but I do go see Dark Star mm-hmm. Orchestra. Right. Really, really, really like Jeff Matson, mm-hmm. And I've seen, I've seen J-Rad right. uh, a few times, but I prefer Dark Star Orchestra. I really like, I mean, and the last time we saw them, they, it was the best I've seen them. They really, really killed it. Yeah, so I, I enjoy that. I haven't seen them for a few years. I, I, I was in, I'm in a band here in Colorado. We were lucky enough to open for them at uh, State Bridge uh, mm-hmm. Amphitheater here in Colorado. It was really cool. That's the last time I've seen them. But I did see, and I need to listen to it, that Bobby played with them a couple of weeks ago in San Francisco, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been wanting to check that out, but I haven't yet just to see how that went. But yeah, they're great guys, and uh, I, I really enjoyed every time I've seen them. Yeah, I mean, I like John Mayer, and I, I just, I just don't want to go. I just don't, don't want to go to to uh, to a big venue like that, the Shea State uh, City Field for the, the concert. Yeah, I, avoid yeah. big crowds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to yeah, see Wilco. I, I'm going to see Wilco sure. at the uh, United Palace in Manhattan uh, in a couple of months. I, I do like that band. That, that band's really good. Cool. Yeah, I see. Uh, I see fish sometimes here at, at Dick's when they come through, and. And I get to, I, I, I go out to Red Rocks quite a bit and just see random acts from like, you know, I saw Crosby, Stills, Nash a few years ago and, uh, you know, like Chic was awesome dance party, you know, and, and Trey comes through there sometimes and all kinds of people. So I live pretty close to that, but I don't, I don't get to huge shows too often. There's not a lot of those huge bands that I like these days, you know, like I'm not going to go see, I don't, I don't even know. Who, you but, too. <laughs> yeah. You too probably not or anything like that um maybe springsteen i might go see springsteen if he came through <laughs> that'd be yeah. about it yeah he, he he doesn't leave anything out he doesn't leave anything uh uh behind for sure for sure yeah uh yeah what else do you see wilco who else do you see what i mean what are you into these days um i'm into really into richard thompson i don't know if you know him the uh the english folk uh guitarist um i'm a big richard thompson fan I like mm-hmm. this uh, jam band called Donna the Buffalo. They they happen yes, to be from upstate New York. I have heard them, but, but uh, I'm I'm a little I'm a some, somewhat limited. I mean, I would see Springsteen yeah. for sure if, 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 <laughs> for sure. if I can get tickets. Right? Yeah, no doubt they'd, they'd be five hundred dollars probably. So probably, I actually saw Springsteen at the at Barton Hall. Uh, oh, yeah? in, I think in 78, probably in 78. Yeah. Yeah. The, year, the, the next year yeah, he played in Barton Hall. So that wasn't the, quite the, the wild, dead, but it was the, good. <laughs> the wild and the, the, the something in the innocent tour or something. What is that? I'm no, I think correct. it was, um, I think it was, um, it's escaping me. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Whatever it was. I'm sure. Yeah, that's awesome. So, okay. So. Uh, you know, like to wrap these things up with like a recommendation, whether it's like a, you know, a book or a TV show or something that you think that, that people out there would enjoy, um, you know, it's a, an album or what's, what's something that's, that's changed your life besides the Grateful Dead <laughs> or, or made an impact or made you think. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty, pretty big reader. I just read two books that were really well written. One is uh, An Ugly Truth about Facebook, mm-hmm. about just how they really focus on ad revenue as not so much on, on internet security. Right. That was a really, really well-written book. I recommend that. And then I read the book on the Sacklers 
and the opioid uh, fiasco mm-hmm. called, and, called the Empire of Pain. Okay. That was unbelievable book. Really well written and really a really sad, you know, state of affairs, as you, as you know. And I just read yeah. today where I think they have to pay like $6 billion. I mean, they made billions. But, right. um, and both of those <laughs> kind of come back to the same thing, you know, about ads and, and revenue and profits and greed. Whatever it takes. Yeah, whatever People, it takes. A lot of greed in society these days, for sure. Yeah. And uh, as, as we're seeing in the news today, as a matter of fact, <laughs> but uh, awesome. All right, Gary, thank you. Um, it's pretty amazing. I think we have some uh, proof that 5877 actually happened. We have somebody who was actually there. <laughs> I, I appreciate you coming on and talking about it. No problem. My, my, my pleasure. I, ha- I have a few other witnesses if, if, you, if you need like a, <laughs> another one. <laughs> Have him, have him give me a call. I'd love to have him on the show. <laughs> I, I got a couple of people to vouch for me. Awesome. I did want. Right. I did want to. I did want to do do one shout out. Um, sure. Because in, in some of your um, podcasts, you know, you, you talk about the relationships that you develop. Right. Back in the, um, I guess, the late seventies, early eighties, they had um, ads in the back of the Golden Road and Relics where you can start trading tapes. So one, someone who I became friends with back then through tape trading, who I still communicate with regularly today, Brian O'Connell, he was living in Chicago. So he was my tape connection in Chicago. Uh-huh. And we're the same age. And he's he saw all the uptown theater shows in Chicago. He saw all the Alpine Valley shows. Now he moved, moved to Florida. But he happens to play in a band as well. But he, um, we've been friends for, you know, whatever, 40 years. And he, he uh, you know, you know, he used to he started burning me CDs when everything switched over to CDs. But back in the day, he was spinning cassettes, Maxell tapes, and sending them out. It was uh, so you develop these relationships. Insane, really yeah, insane. Yeah. yeah, and I've said it before that this band has that 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 power to change your life and to, yeah, form those kind of relationships. Speaking of those Maxells. Uh, where'd it go? I just, I was going to show you, I was just going through something the other day and found some old tapes. And, and the, do you remember those points where you like send in your points to get max L tapes? Like <laughs> vaguely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You get like 10 points per cassette or something like that. You put them yes. all in the paper and send them in and they'd send you 10 tapes. Yeah. I came across one <laughs> the other day. I was like, <laughs> yes. you can still that cash them in. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I was wondering, where do I send these now to get my, Maybe they'll send me CDs now or something. Who knows? (laughs) Awesome. All right, Gary, thank you so much for being on. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Will. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please consider hitting the subscribe button and leaving a comment. Your feedback and engagement really goes a long way to supporting and growing the show. And really, this is your show with your stories. So if you have a story or even a few of them from seeing Grateful Dead shows or experiences of how the band has impacted your life in some way, I'd love to hear from you and have you on. My email is will at talesfromthelot.org. Reach out. Uh, Or you could use the new text me feature that's in the show notes. You can easily reach out and connect with me directly that way. And don't forget to follow on Facebook for updates and exclusive content. And for those who prefer watching, full videos of every episode are available on my YouTube channel. So uh, thanks again. And please be kind to yourself and others.